We're back with part three of the Zero Hour and our continuing look at Captain America the First Avenger. In our first two segments, we listened to music from the film, talked about the characters, and listened to some interviews with the cast. In this segment, we're going to look at the story of the film and also listen to that interview with Sebastian Stan that I said last segment was coming up. In fact, let's check that out right now before we get into talking about the story of the film. Here's Sebastian Stan talking about playing Bucky and working on the film, right here on the Zero Hour. What are the benefits and or drawbacks of being Captain America's best mate? Um, it doesn't all rely on my shoulders, <laughs> thank God. And then, um, you know, you might not be seen as <laughs> in, the, in the same light. There's that moment where, you know, the two of them and your character is, I'm not going to say a ladies man, but comfortable in his own skin around the ladies. Well, I mean, the, you know, the characters have known each other for such a long time. They grew up together. So I think there's an element of the brother kind of com competitive thing. I think in that, in that situation, you know, my character is very comfortable showing off to him, you know, and just sort of kind of trying to get him to, you know, to see that, you know, maybe try thinking about this as yeah, opposed right. to <laughs> holding a gun. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe this is what people do. They have hormones. They're. They have hormones. Hormones. Yeah. Yes. Those things. Yeah. Because it, it seems like he's trying to. He's toying with the idea of my God. I've never been a wingman. <laughs> oh, who? Steve or me? Or, or my? Or my? Yeah. My character. Yeah. No, I don't think he thinks of himself as a wingman. I think he thinks of himself much more as a leader. But, you know, obviously that's the funny thing, because later on when suddenly you're like, I guess maybe I'm a wingman now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Every hero needs a posse, and there's a, there's a great moment where Captain America assembles the team. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's a very, that, that team is, uh, you know, iconic in the, in the um, comic books. You know, you've got the... Uh, you know, J.J. Fields uh, plays uh, Fallsworth, who has his own kind of through line in the comic books. And, I mean, Dum Dum Duggan, you know, they're, 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 all, they're all part of it, so it had to happen. Yeah, nice. When you're in a, in a, in a movie of this, of this kind of magnitude, like the budget's squillion bucks, do you sit around um, and do you, does it all dawn on you, I better do a good job, or do you, are you able to put that aside? No, I mean, it definitely it starts out realistically like that, you know. I I really you know I don't want to get fired, <laughs> you know. But I think uh, I think at some point you know you you think about. To, in my opinion, most of the work uh, actually happens before you even get the part, and then before you even start shooting. So on the day that you show up, you know it's kind of you're just ready to go because you've done so much preparation. So you just sort of have to let it go and get out of your own way. So how many other guys were going for it? How much work did it take to get a part like this? Um, actually, at the time that I was, uh, I, I was, I got this part. I don't, I don't think anybody went out. For, I don't know. I, I'm not sure because uh, I, I always went out for the Steve Rogers role. So you know, I never knew who was going out or what was happening with this role. So you know, I just found out about it. Right. I, I see. I see. Mm -hmm. And so this film, though, it takes place at a time that may be quite unfamiliar to, like, let's say, people born after 1990, which is a lot of people that will be watching this film. Right. So what do they need to know about the time that this film was made? Uh, the set. Um, well, I mean, you know, look, it has a lot of elements for for audiences today to be able to relate to it. I mean, they don't have to know anything about the period of the time. They don't have to know even uh, anything about the comic books. You know, there, there's a lot of action sequences, and, and it's super fun, and it just it just goes for two hours. You know, and then obviously, uh, 
it um, it honors that period for the people that do know what that time was, you know. And I think um, one of the nice things that you know he's been around for 70 years, this character, that, you know, that people have known. Hopefully, some of the old generations that remember him a certain way can go and see and and, and kind of relate to that. The amount of uh, and how do I how do I put this? The the patriotism that appears in the film uh, isn't really that doesn't. There's the same thing doesn't really exist in Australia as far as the flag waving thing means something kind of different in my country. How do you think that'll translate outside of America? Well, that that will be the you know that's always been sort of the controversial question with a film like this and a title like this. Um, I think people need to remember that 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 really was happening in 1944 in America. You know, there was a very different kind of patriotism than there is now. You know. Um, People were also not as aware. They they hadn't gone through the wars that that have happened since since then. You know, and, and the Vietnam War and the Gulf War and all that stuff. So I mean, you know, we're in a, we've arrived at a different complete mindset. But it's important if you're going to do a movie in 1944 that you that you understand that people really believe that in this country. So um, I hope that what they can do is, as opposed to necessarily jump to conclusions that this is a, a message of 2011, they, they can just look at it and, and understand that this is, a, this is a movie and it's also historical. And I mean, that's just the history of this country, you know, as the same way that you'd want to do a history about your country. What a fantastic interview with a great actor. To think that he has continued to play Bucky right up until this very day is something. The sad part is, it's hard to say if we'll ever get to really see Bucky and Steve in the MCU together again. I suppose, with the possibility of Chris Evans maybe making a return, anything could be possible. Right now, let's have a listen to the theme from the main man himself, Captain America, right here on The Zero Hour. the Captain America theme from the official soundtrack, composed by Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri was responsible for a great deal of the music scores from the official MCU soundtracks, and when you hear the ones he is responsible for, it's not hard to understand why. After all, he gave us the official theme for the Avengers, and if there ever was a music score that has been made immediately recognizable, it's that one. Check out this amazing rendition of the Captain America theme by Niall Stenson, right here on The Zero Hour.
Now, wasn't that fantastic? I've said before, he does some amazing covers, and I really encourage you to check out his YouTube channel. So let's get into the story of the film before we run out of time. The story involves the Red Skull seeking out the Tesseract. What we later come to learn in the MCU houses the Space Stone. He intends to use it to conquer the world and even overthrow Hitler and the Nazis. During this same time, a young Steve Rogers is intent on joining the military to fight in the war. But with his small stature and multiple health issues, he is refused repeatedly. However, with the help of Stanley Tucci as Abraham Erskine and the ingenuity of Howard Stark using the Super Soldier Serum, he is turned into Captain America. A man at the peak physical ability that a human can attain, with enhanced strength, reflexes, and agility of the world's best athletes. His metabolism and immune system are enhanced, along with his ability to heal wounds. Immediately following this process, however, the serum is stolen and Erskine is killed by a Hydra assassin. With the serum lost and Erskine dead, the military doesn't want to risk their only super soldier getting killed in the war. Steve is given the rank and title of captain and made Captain America, where he is sent on tour to help sell war bonds and raise the spirit of the troops in Europe. While doing this, Bucky and his unit are captured by the Nazis and Hydra. Captain America then enlists Howard Stark and Peggy Carter to help him get behind enemy lines to rescue them. In the process, he meets the Red Skull and manages to get away with the men he went to rescue. He is then allowed to enter the war, and with Bucky and the rest of the Howling Commandos, they begin going around destroying Hydra Base after Hydra Base. On one of these final missions, Steve watches as Bucky is supposedly killed by falling from a train. He then finally, with the help of Peggy and the rest of the Howling Commandos and Colonel Chester Phillips, is able to board a giant bomber the Red Skull is intending to use to destroy New York and other major cities across the eastern seaboard in America. Captain America and the Red Skull battle on the plane before the Tesseract sucks the Red Skull through a portal to the other end of space. Captain America then decides to ensure the plane is destroyed and plows it into the Arctic Ocean where he is thought to be killed and where we learn he is frozen in a sort of suspended animation until he is found and awakened in the year 2012, almost 70 years later. The movie ends with a post credit scene of Captain America waking up in the year 2012, where he then goes on to help form the Avengers in their battle with Loki and the Chachari later that same year. Right now, let's have a listen to Training the Super Soldier by Alan Silvestri, right here on The Zero Hour. Before we end off the show this week, let's have a listen to another piece of music from the official soundtrack by Alan Silvestri with the score, Captain America, We Did It, right here on The Zero Hour.
You know, I heard a joke the other day that I thought I'd pass along. I heard that Optimus Prime was writing his autobiography. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Join me on the next episode of The Zero Hour as we continue our trip through the MCU with our look at what would become one of the greatest superhero movies of all time, The Avengers. Also, don't forget to check us out on superlativeradio.com where you can check out all of our other great shows such as The Country Goldmine and Vinyl on Chrome, both hosted by Dylan Stone, and both available like The Zero Hour on your favorite podcast hosting platform such as Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, and many more. Be sure you also check out our merch store on our website shop tab where you can pick up some great Zero Hour merchandise. Maybe a sweater, a mug, whatever you like. We also have some great Superlative Radio merchandise. Don't forget to check those out. And remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can always send them along to me at thezerohournb at gmail.com. That's thezerohournb at gmail.com and our website superlativeradio.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook where you can like and comment on our shows directly. See you all next time for Avengers Assemble, right here on The Zero Hour.